views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of this station. Content is for educational purposes only. Consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence if investing. The show is pre-recorded. Everyday Wealth is produced and created by Edelman Financial Engines and hosted by Gene Chatsky. Ms. Chatsky is not an employee or client of the firm. She receives fixed cash compensation as host and for related activities, and therefore has an incentive to endorse Edelman Financial Engines and its planners. For additional information, please see www.edelmanfinancialengines.com slash everydaywealth. The 2022 Top 100 Independent Advisory Firm ranking issued by Barron's is qualitative and quantitative, including assets managed by the firm, technology spending, staff diversity, succession planning, and other metrics. Firms elect to participate but do not pay to be included in the ranking. Compensation is paid for use and distribution of rating. Awarded September 2022 based on data within a 12-month period. Investor experience and returns are not considered. At the intersection of life and money, this is Edelman Financial Engine's Everyday Wealth with personal finance expert, Gene Chatsky. Edelman Financial Engines has been ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. Now, here's Gene Chatsky. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me today on Everyday Wealth. I'm your host, Gene Chatsky. And I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that now more than ever, your financial life is deeply connected to your everyday life. Family relationships, concerns about the economy, the dreams you share with a partner, your visions for retirement, the financial values that you want to pass along to the next generation, all of these things and so many more are wrapped up in how you view money and what wealth really means to you. That is a big ball of wax that we wanted to know more about. And so to explore how Americans define wealth in the context of the world around them, Edelman Financial Engines partnered with Greenwald Research to examine the sorts of critical topics that sit squarely at the intersection of life and money. And this includes things like attitudes and emotions about your finances, relationships and communication issues, family dynamics, expectations about transferring wealth, retirement goals, of course, and your preferences for how a financial professional can provide comprehensive planning support. The research looked across all wealth brackets, but it paid particular particularly close attention to people like many of you, people who have done well enough financially to put you squarely in the upper middle class. So you appear relatively comfortable based on your household net worth, and yet you may not feel that you're financially secure or doing enough to achieve your goals despite the actions that you're taking. And you are exactly the people that are being increasingly squeezed by the competing financial demands that you face at this distinct stage of life. I'm talking about working, raising families, trying to save for or pay for college tuition, supporting adult children who may or may not have boomeranged back to the nest, helping your aging parents and preparing for your own retirements all at the very same time. During the past year, these issues were magnified even further by the challenging domestic and global economic conditions brought on by inflation, rising interest rates, political tensions, market volatility, bank failures, and the worries of a recession. And what the report found is, well, I think it's fascinating. There is a stark 
contrast between being wealthy and feeling wealthy. What we see is that for many, many people, worries about money can override basic facts, and that can lead to confusion, frustration, and making financial decisions that are based on emotion rather than a sound long-term plan. That, by the way, is a problem, but it can also help us find solutions. Edelman Financial Engines conducted this research to uncover the beliefs and behaviors around the concept of wealth and to use these insights to inform the support and action they provide to help more people like all of you achieve your wealth planning goals, especially those of you who have worked really hard and may be doing many of the right things financially but are still not feeling that it's quite enough. If you want to take a closer look at this report, you can download it for free by going online and searching for the Everyday Wealth in America 2022 report. Click on the link from Edelman Financial Engines and then the big red button that says download the report. You'll get a ton of information on money, concerns about the world around us, and how it influences your relationships and values. And to help us dig into some of the key findings and what they mean for you, I want to bring on a very special guest. Jason Vandaloo is Executive Vice President and Co-Chief Client Officer at Edelman Financial Engines. Jason, so great to have you here. Thanks, Jean. Uh, thank you for having me. It's great to be with you. Let's just dive right into the results of your study. And I, I want to start with some reflections on wealth. When I think about wealth, I'm thinking not just about dollars and cents. I'm thinking about dreams and goals and how you want to live your life. What did the study find? You know, it was interesting, Gene. The research found that very few people actually consider themselves wealthy. In fact, we found even the wealthy don't feel wealthy. And as we reflected on it, I think for years, we've idolized this dream of becoming a millionaire. Uh, I remember it was 30 years ago now, we were listening to that that song, If I Had a Million Dollars. It uh, makes or, me feel so old to think that uh, that was know, 30 years ago. Well, let me, let me give you one more. It was 20 years ago that we were glued to our TV screens watching Regis Philbin uh, <sighs> hosting Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I remember watching that with my own kids uh, two decades ago. Yeah, me too. Uh, and I think we grew up with this, this dream of, of becoming millionaires. And what we found in the research is that our definition of wealth is changing. Only 12% of respondents to our research and less than one-third of millionaires told us they feel wealthy. Less than one-fourth of all of our respondents, fewer than half of millionaires, told us they feel comfortable about their finances. And a majority admitted to feeling less financially secure than they hope to be at this stage of life. Uh, about four in 10 of wealthy respondents said the same thing. And the one thing that we all have in common is we want more. Uh, even our millionaire respondents, about 53% told us that they need more than $3 million in the bank to feel wealthy. About a third of our affluent respondents told us they'd need $5 million in the bank to feel wealthy. Uh, so if you find yourself checking your account balances and, and maybe uh, feeling a little bit anxious, not feeling as comfortable as you thought you'd be, uh, you're not alone. Do you think that this is because a million dollars is not what it used to be? You know, uh, I think that's a part of it, uh, Gene. I think 
obviously, in these economic conditions, given the inflation we've been battling from a, a strict dollars and cents standpoint, a million dollars doesn't go as far as it used to. But I think some of it is what you teed up. Our, our own definition of wealth is changing. Uh, it's not just about dollars and cents. It's about what that money enables. And as we age, as we start to get closer to retirement and, and uh, start dreaming uh, about what we want that to look and feel like, I think we're realizing uh, it's not just money. Uh, there are other aspects of wealth we need to plan for, consider for, uh, that's tough in an economic environment like this. And it just it raises the stakes and raises some of the stress and anxiety we all feel around money. Stress and anxiety are some pretty big emotions. And we've mentioned emotions a few times already in this conversation. What did the research tell us about emotions and money? It was really interesting, Jean. I, for as much as we all might think we are rational decision makers, this research reminded us once again that money is emotional. Uh, and I'd, I'd say first, we should probably pause and just take a deep breath because the chances are you and I are feeling a little bit stressed. Uh, nearly half of the respondents to our research told us that they had been either somewhat or very stressed about something over the last six months. And as mm -hmm. we dug into why that was the case, the second set of factors on the list were family stressors, uh, parenting, extended family, work situations, life situations. The number one category on the list, which was cited more than twice as often, was money. Wow. And even though two-thirds of us say when we think about the future, our positive emotions outweigh our negative emotions, in the here and now, when we asked Americans how they're feeling about money, they told us they're feeling anxious, they're feeling overwhelmed, they're feeling vulnerable. And as you mentioned up front, that's when we're at the greatest risk of making bad financial decisions. More than six in 10 respondents overall and even more of our affluent respondents told us they had made financial decisions based on emotions. And about 35% who did said that they regretted it. Yeah, it's one reason you need a financial advisor. I mean, I've done this, right? I know what to do. I know the right thing to do, but I've made bad financial decisions based on emotions. And it's one of those things that I am always counting on professional help to, to protect me from. And it's more important too, when you add a spouse or a partner uh, to the mix, because your emotions are not always going to be in sync. I am well aware couples will always argue about money because you've got two individuals and you can't expect two individuals to always want the very same things. What does the study tell us about couples and their money and how they can overcome these issues? Gene, it might seem obvious, but the research reminded us that money really is a, a family matter. And what was interesting to us was to see that we fight about money, but we don't really know how to talk about money. Hmm. Uh, nearly half of our respondents told us they've had fights with their partners about money. I think the other half might be hiding the truth, <laughs> but 27% uh, <laughs> but uh, told us they fought with their extended family about money. One out of every five told us that they see unhealthy money issues. They see disagreements about money as a threat to their relationship. And those numbers were consistent across all age ranges. They were consistent across all wealth brackets. But for as much as we fight about money, the research would suggest to us we don't really know how to have healthy conversations with our partners, with our family about money. And we saw a pattern come through in the research that I like to call financial infidelity. 
Mm. We saw that a 43% of respondents admitted their partner doesn't know everything about their spending. That was true, by the way, both for men and for women. And we found that's only getting worse in this economic environment. And it doesn't get much better with age. Uh, one out of every three couples in their 60s told us they don't agree with each other about what they want retirement to look like. These are couples in their 60s. And one in 10 haven't even discussed it. So it told us pretty clearly, we need to learn how to talk about money. 83% of the couples in our research told us that talking about finances helps them resolve disagreements. Those who do discuss money in detail are twice as likely to say their relationship is stronger than ever. Uh, so as it is uh, with many things, it's simple. It's just not easy. And that's exactly where a, a good wealth planner can help. Yeah, you're you're so right. I don't know that I would agree that it's simple or easy, Jason. I think That's they, fair. I think one of the reasons that couples don't talk about these things and and retirement is a particularly bothersome one is that we know if we talk about them, we're likely to fight about them because we know that our partner doesn't necessarily agree. So I. And with you, I think it's an important time in life to pause and get some help. And speaking of pausing, we are going to do that. We're going to pause for just a sec. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to pick up with Jason and bring on Isabel Barrow from Edelman Financial Engines. She'll help us unpack more of the Everyday Wealth in America report and give us some tactical advice for what to do with all of this information. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Are you worried about the current volatility of the market, inflation rates, talk of a recession? Are you second-guessing your investment decisions? What better time than now to ensure your finances are moving forward than by getting an expert second opinion from an Edelman Financial Engines planner? Whether you already have a planner or simply need a new perspective, they can help you manage your wealth plan to both weather the volatility of the market today and help you protect and preserve it over the long term. To schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today, call 833-PLAN-EFE. That's 833-752-6333. Or visit their website at efewealthplanners.com. Put your uncertainties to rest once and for all. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup right now. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for sticking with us. Jason Vandaloo from Edelman Financial Engines is with me. We're talking about a big report that Edelman Financial Engines recently released with tons of insights on wealth in America and how wealth and life go together. Let's pick up with affluent parents and how Affluent parents are interacting with their adult kids, particularly in and around money. What are you seeing from the research? What kind of signals are parents sending to their children about money? This one started to hit a little close to home, uh, Jean. Uh, what we <laughs> saw is parents with adult children claim to emphasize financial independence, uh, but many of us are still stuck providing financial assistance. We're, we're not practicing what we preach. And that's especially true for more affluent Americans. Uh, what we saw in the research was your upbringing certainly plays a significant role. Those who received financial support from their parents are almost three times as likely to do the same for their own kids. And while 85% of all parents with adult children 
claim to emphasize the importance of financial independence for their kids, 40% of them are still supporting them financially. Among affluent parents, 93% emphasize financial independence. 50%, half of all affluent parents are still providing some level of financial support. And that can be uh, everything from general living expenses to covering a cell phone bill, a car payment, insurance, help with special purchases. Uh, I was on the road a few weeks ago with a, a colleague of mine whose in-laws are still covering the cell phone bill for her adult husband who is now married with two of his own children. And we saw that in the research as well, that while 45% of parents said they like being able to help their adult children financially, more than half believe it's necessary at the moment. Nearly 30% say it's frustrating uh, that their kids aren't yet more financially independent. That cell phone bill always makes me laugh. I got to say, I mean, I think, look, my kids are 28 and 26 and they're both on the cell phone plan. And I really don't see a day when they're going to come off the cell phone plan because they routinely make the argument that it's cheaper for me to pay a friends and family plan than it is for them to buy coverage on their own, which, by the way, is not true anymore. But I, I do feel like having a friends and family plan is kind of a nice thing to do. I, I don't know, Jason, what I mean, are you going to kick your kids off the cell phone plan? And do you have a date where you're going to do that? It, do they have to be 30? I haven't yet. And they're making a very similar argument, Gene. Uh, and I think it just, uh, you know, we feel we want to be able to help our kids in these ways. It's difficult because so many of us weren't really taught how to have healthy conversations, how to set healthy boundaries, and how to help our adult kids transition toward financial independence. So, so often it just it feels easier, more comfortable, more supportive, more helpful uh, just to let it ride. And, and we're struggling with the same thing. Yeah. And, and I understand the frustration of parents who feel like this is a never-ending stream of support. But the world is a, a different place than it was when we grew up. And, and so I also understand the parents who say that they are happy that they're able to help. I think it's less about the cell phone bill. Uh, and it really is more about how do we put our kids on a healthy path toward financial independence? Uh, and, and that's where we're seeing ourselves struggle. That's where we're seeing Americans struggle. That's, that's really where a good planner and a, a relationship with a, a strong financial planner can really help us as parents and families put our kids on the right path. Totally, totally agree. We promised that we would dig into some tactical suggestions uh, for taking this research and putting it to use. So let's shift the conversation to some of the solutions that you found and specifically how a financial professional can help solve for some of the other big problems that we've uncovered. For help with that, I want to bring on Isabel Barrow. Our audience knows her well. She is one of the great planners at Edelman Financial Engines. Isabel, welcome back. Hi, Jean. Hi, Jason. It's great to be back and good to see you both. I am going to jump straight to the punchline, Isabel, and say that working with a financial planner can help ease the emotional burden that is present in a lot of this data. Agree? I think so. I mean, and again, I might be biased, but <laughs> I think, you know, no matter how you feel about money or where you are in the process of, of your wealth building journey, um, a financial planner can help you navigate all the complexities of investments and taxes and savings and different types of accounts and alleviate stress 
just because they're removing some of the fear of unknown provide extra support and, and hand-holding along the way as, as you're moving toward your goals. Um, and of course, that can be even more important to have someone to hold your hand and talk you through it and help you to navigate all of the um, complexities during periods of time of uncertainty, like market volatility or high inflation. And so that's what my colleagues and I um, here at Edelman Financial Engines do for our clients every day. Jason, what did the data tell us on this? When you asked questions about how people feel about their relationships with a financial professional, what'd they say? The research gene told us it's especially difficult right now in this environment. Uh, 81% of respondents to our study, uh, 76% of affluent respondents said that the current economy has made it even more challenging to stay on track with their financial goals. The vast majority, 83% of those who work with a financial professional, told us they are less stressed because of the help that they receive. 70% believe that their advisors help them and help their families address difficult emotional financial topics. But maybe in the same way as a personal trainer. I know a personal trainer can help. I feel better after I spend time with them. That doesn't necessarily uh, mean that I'm, I'm in the right pattern and habit of being diligent and, and finding the right type of help and a consistent type of help. Isabel, we've covered a lot of ground in this research. If you had to narrow down the top areas where your clients ask for help the most, what would they be? Yeah, I mean, obviously, everyone's situation is unique, and we get a lot of questions about everything that involves a dollar sign attached. But what our study found and what, you know, areas that we believe people feel the most overwhelmed are areas like financial planning in general. And and what financial planning is, is the roadmap to get you from where you are now to where you need to be to reach your goals and then beyond that. Um, Another is certainly managing your money to minimize taxes, which is what we call tax efficiency. Managing your investments. How do you do it? How do you know where to begin? Um, You know, if you know where to start and you pick investments, well, then how do you go about managing them on an ongoing basis? Another big one is estate planning, you know, developing the plan itself. What do you need and what type of a wealth transfer strategy is going to be best for you and your family? And then another big one is insurance, you know, from life insurance to long-term care, just determining what insurance solutions you need is another biggie, another big stressor. When we looked in the research at people who didn't have a financial planner, where were they saying that they needed the most help, Jason? We saw similar patterns. Uh, Taxes, number one on the list, as Isabel mentioned, for all of us, including those who aren't consistently asking for advice, retirement income planning, how to make sense of Social Security and Medicare as people get closer to retirement. Uh, Those certainly were toward the top of the list. Uh, But it was a long list, Gene. We we saw questions and concerns around how do I even get started with a financial plan? Uh, Questions around budgeting. Questions around healthcare, uh, mm-hmm. HSA accounts, long-term care. Uh, how do I think about debt and maybe using debt in a more strategic way? Uh, how do I think about saving for college for my kids, for my grandchildren? How do I think about transferring wealth between generations? How do I think about charitable giving and leaving a legacy? As Isabel said, it's it really is everything with a dollar sign. And we saw a lot of those questions and concerns come from those who uh, aren't yet working with a financial professional. Well, 
to that point, the people who are not working with a financial planner or financial professional, why not? What did we learn about the things that are standing in their way? Well, I would say that the the primary barrier for most is a concern about the cost, or or it could just be even the perception of the cost. You know, the fear of what is it going to cost to hire a financial planner. Um, you know, that is a, certainly a top reason. Others could include things like. I think a lot of people may feel like they don't have enough money to hire a financial planner. You know, I don't have enough wealth or I'm not wealthy enough to need one, which I would argue is probably exactly the reason why you do need a financial planner is to help you to build toward that wealth. I think that there are also those who may think it's just not necessary. You know, my my situation's simple. I don't need it. I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone say, you know, I don't have a lot of beneficiaries. I don't think I need a will. You know, and it's not that simple. But I think overall, if you don't, you don't know what you don't know. So um, there are also those who are do-it-yourselfers. You know, they're those who enjoy it. They have the time, the desire, the knowledge, and, and they want to manage their investments on their own. And so they don't seek the help of a financial planner because, you know, they are are doing it themselves. I think also they're potentially industry-wide. There can be a lack of trust, you know, because of um, bad news stories or or just really not maybe wanting to share personal information with a stranger, you know. In general, we don't talk about money. People are private. We don't talk about it whether we, you know, we talked earlier about you don't talk about it with your spouses. So it's hard to open up and be willing to share your mistakes or be willing to share where you stand, especially if you're worried that you're behind. Um, You know, it, it could be just that fear. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And I wonder what we learned about planning when it comes to being more of a family affair, when it comes to doing this planning with your spouse or with your partner, having these conversations with couples or, or even including your grown kids. Yeah, Jean, we saw that once a couple has decided to engage a financial planner, uh, couples do a really good job of engaging in that journey together. Seven out of 10 couples in our survey told us that both partners usually attend every meeting, every conversation with a financial planner. The big opportunity we saw is engaging the next generation. Uh, We are, as you know, on the verge of the largest generational transfer of wealth in American history. Mm -hmm. Yet we found in the research that six out of 10 people told us they don't have a plan for transferring their wealth. Seven out of 10 said their adult children have never even met their financial advisor. And in a post-COVID world, that's one of the things that's never been easier. It's as easy as a Zoom call, as a FaceTime call. Uh, so I, I think I would say, if you haven't already, ask your financial planner to make the next meeting a family meeting, which can be a really simple opportunity to relieve some of that financial stress. Is there an age that's appropriate for bringing children to a meeting with a financial advisor? I mean, Isabel, you know, when you have these family meetings, at what age do you start including the kids? <laughs> well, I've had people bring their newborn infants in. So okay, um, I think yeah. I would argue that that does not count. <laughs> right. Doesn't count. Right. <laughs> so I think that I think as early as 18, you know, if your child is old enough to sign a contract, if your child is old enough to, you know, pay their own taxes and and have a job, that's a great time to bring them in and get them started. I mean, you know, maybe even as early as 16 or younger. I mean, I, I know with my kids... 
I talk to them about money every single day, you know, whether or not it be their allowance or say, you know, what they want for their birthday and how they're going to save money. Or I talk to them about college planning. Um, So I think, you know, talking about it from a very young age is really important. Involving in your personal stuff, in your financial decisions, in your estate planning, you know, I think probably 18 is, is a great point to start including them into sort of that bigger picture discussion. And it doesn't have to be everything, you know, it doesn't have to be everything in the kitchen sink. It can be the basics of here's how we're saving for retirement and and here's what our expectations are of you and how you're going to share in the college savings or, you know, um, paying down a a student loan or et cetera. I've been struck by all the different research that I've seen coming out on our stress levels in this country um, and how stress levels are just on the rise um, and and you see it in, in a large number of ways. But one of the most, uh, I think, comforting things about your research is, is that you found working with a planner can actually reduce stress. Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah. I mean, I think you quoted the stat earlier, or maybe Jason did, that, you know, money stresses is the number one stress on people's mind above everything mm-hmm. else. And a really important thing to understand is that over 80% of the respondents to our survey said they stressed less because of their financial planner and agreed with the following statement, quote, you stress less about finances and money than you would if you didn't work with a financial planner. And seven in 10 also agree that the financial professional helps their whole family address hard financial topics. Um, And your financial planner helps you and your family address difficult and or emotional topics related to finances. So I think if anything you take away from it is that working with a financial planner can help alleviate a lot of that stress and remove a lot of the fear of the unknown. I promised some actionable tips when we kicked off this interview, Isabel. As you look at the research, how do you put it into action steps for folks? So the first would be define what your goals are and then lay out a plan to get there. So because once you identify what your goals are and and what it's going to take to make you happy and satisfied um, in life, the next step is then to develop the personalized plan, taking a long-term approach to help keep you on the right path to generating that wealth and, and reaching your goals no matter what's happening in the world around you. And the next is to keep your emotions in check, whether or not that's stress level or fear of an argument with your spouse, you know, control what you can control and don't fall victim to anxiety or fear emotions. And and then, of course, the impulsive behaviors that can come about because of it, especially when there's a constant stream of what, you know, could be negative headlines uh, in the news about, you know, whatever it is, inflation or a recession, et cetera, et cetera, market volatility every day, it's something new. So sometimes I think you just have to turn that news off, turn it off and realize, realize I can't do anything about the markets. I can't do anything about interest rates. I can't do anything about inflation. I can do something about how much money I choose to spend versus save. And that's something I can get some help with. 
Right. And I think also, Jean, you know, all of those headlines, all of that news, you really have to dig a little deeper and think about, okay, but how does it really affect me? You know, Mm -hmm. it may be affecting the world in different ways, but how does it affect me? How does it affect my goals, my planning, you know, my needs? And if you don't know, that's a great time to talk to your financial advisor about how how it might impact you. Because I think that oftentimes our perception is that these world events are going to have a much greater impact on our situation than they really do. So bring it back to your own personal economy is exactly what you're saying. What else is on your list? So it is going to be constant monitoring. So revisit, rebalance, refine your portfolio, ensure that you're appropriately diversified within your investments. Once you're appropriately diversified in the, in the right asset classes, then you need to go about rebalancing and revisiting that plan and your investment strategy regularly just to make sure that it's still on track and that it's still appropriate for you given your goals, given the current situation in the world and the economy, and that it's all relevant to what your future goals are. Um, Communication. You know, Mm -hmm. communication is absolutely critical. You need to address those big, important financial topics early and often with your spouse, your partner, your family members, anyone who plays a role or is going to be impacted by the decisions that you make and, and the actions that you take. And as we've talked about before, you know, these can be really emotional conversations. It can be difficult to bring it up because of what you said, you know, maybe you're afraid of an argument or you're afraid you're not going to agree. And if you're having that sort of an impasse, sitting down with a financial planner, you're now bringing in a a third party, um, not to mediate and and determine who's right and who's wrong, but rather to say, okay, here's what we can do, you know, based on what you're both telling me, here's here's what it actually looks like from a financial standpoint. So um, it can be just a way to sort of remove that possibility of the argument and reduce some of the stress around that. So getting help from a professional, you know, no matter where you are, working with a trusted advisor can help you to navigate all of the challenges, as we've said, alleviate a lot of stress and just provide that extra support that you need to reach your financial goals and be able to focus on other things in your life. Great advice as always, Isabel. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was great to be here today. Of course. And Jason, thanks for coming along. Thank you, Jean. It was a pleasure. And thanks for uh, bringing the fascinating results from this survey uh, to us. We hope that you'll come back again. I'd love to. Thank you. As a reminder, if you'd like to dig into this survey yourself, you can download a free copy of the report by going online and searching for Everyday Wealth in America 2022 Report. Click on the link from Edelman Financial Engines, then click on the big red button that says download the report, and it'll be right in your computer. That's all for this show. Be sure to subscribe to the Everyday Wealth Podcast wherever you stream your favorite podcasts, or just visit us at everydaywealth.com, where all of our episodes are available to you. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk soon. You've been listening to Edelman Financial Engines Everyday Wealth with Gene Chatsky. Edelman Financial Engines has been ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. If you've missed an episode or are interested in additional personal finance topics, be sure to subscribe to the Everyday Wealth Podcast. Our podcast library offers helpful insights on topics such as tax-efficient portfolios, retirement withdrawal strategies, investing, and financial planning, to name just a few. 
To learn more, visit our website, everydaywealth.com, or find our show wherever you stream your favorite podcast.